You are listening to the weekly podcast of Life Change Christian Church. We pray you enjoy today's message. A praise. The Bible says, clap ye hands, all ye people, and shout with a voice, with a voice, with a voice. Literally, that term voice means a vote. With your voice, make a make a vote this morning. Make a vote, vote this morning to triumph over every enemy, over every circumstance, over every situation. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It's prayer time in our sanctuary on this morning. I said it's prayer time in our sanctuary on this morning in our virtual space. And I want to take some time out because so many today, so many today in our world are crying. So many today in our world a morning. So many people in our world today are going through. But I want to remind us as the people of God that we have a job to do. For the Bible said, and I spoke it last week, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, go back. But we need to, as a church, focus on occupying. Now is our time to occupy not get into a gloom or doom not get into this thing of trying to be self-righteous like as if we know what's going on that we can use scripture to weaponize or give us justification to say yep this is why this is what's going on no but we need to occupy until he comes our job is not to fortune tell by using scripture but to do the work because our Lord said no one can work when it's dark now is the opportune time it is an opportunity for the church where there is crisis in our language that the Chinese use their symbol for opportunity and danger is the term crisis where it can be a time of opportunity or a time of danger all in one symbol and so church i am here to remind us around the world what our calling what our task what our mission is to do is to occupy let us not get into this fortune telling Using scripture to weaponize. Using scripture to make us feel better than the other. But let this be a time where we are sober in thinking. Mindful in prayer. And diligent and vigilant. Watching as well as working. And so today we want to pray for 
both hold on hold on both Israel and Palestine oh I know I said it some may have issues with it but no for my Bible says if we think of them as enemies to pray doesn't that what the Bible says it says pray for your enemies although I don't believe Palestine is an enemy but pray if you consider them your enemy I know what we've been taught in Christendom the sovereignty of Israel and so yes we pray for Israel however woe unto us if we just focus on a nation while being okay with the slaughtering of others humanity and so we will not I will not side on one side or the other but I pray for the humanity the loss of life the mourning that both nations are facing due to senseless violence ter terrorism of unproportionate thoughts children it's being reported being beheaded although some are skeptical of how much media is being stated that is correct so i'm not going to get deep all i know is that there are people hurting dying displaced going through and so as what we've been called to be people that bring peace sean claiborne stated it this way in a in a liturgy saying that peacemaking doesn't mean passivity it isn't an act of interrupting it is an act of interrupting injustice without mirroring injustice for peacemaking is the act of disarming evil without destroying the evildoer it is the act of finding a way that is neither fight nor flight but the careful audience pursuit of reconciliation and justice above all peacemaking is about revolution of love that is big enough to set both the oppressed and the oppresses free church let us pray for both and let us not get into what the media would have us to want to think about a group of people woe unto us if we judge based on what we've been told for i know that a coin has two sides and there's two sides to every coin but today what i do know is that there are children families women men dying or have died and as a church we're not to play sides but we are to pray and as this person so succinctly stated 
and I quote this morning be careful not to lose empathy for those with whom you disagree but let us be careful not to dehumanize others doing so dehumanizes us be careful to separate people from their policies of their governments and be careful to separate people from the actions of terrorists who live among them let's be careful not to collapse history and context into a narrow interpretation but let us be careful not to exclude complexity and nuance for the sake of memorification. And let us be careful to recognize that grief from one side does not mean hate for the other. But let us be careful to understand that support also from one side does not mean hate for the other. And let's be careful of gaslighting on a mass level, disinformation and denial of loss. For you may have hear it stated that one nation or one country is dealing with the murder, the killing of, but then we hear nothing about the loss of the other side. Let's not forget there's losses on both sides. So let's be careful not to dismiss the excruciating, the real pain of others does not make it worse. Be careful not to say things online even that you would not say to someone in real life because who's to say that could be your mother, your father, your grandfather, your grandmother, your child. So church, let's be careful not to add hatred on top of hatred. Using scripture to justify or to say this is what God said. Woe unto the church. For we all being crushed underneath its compounding weight. So we thank the one who's put that together as a reminder that there are people hurting. There are people broken. Nations are rising up against nations. That's what the Bible says. But let us, church, not be callous. Let us not be compassionate or lack compassion because we could justify this is what the scripture says or this is what the Bible says but we lose the fact that humanity that there are people that have died and dying that God so So come on and let's pray. Put it in the chat, put it in the text. Throw up your hearts, throw up your likes. 
as a way of agreement, as a way of understanding, as a way of solidarity that we stand against injustice. We stand against hate and violence. For we need people. We need our brother, we need our sister to survive on this so we need to be concerned about those who are broken, who are hurting, for there are a million people that's been told to get out of harm's way. Where is a million people going? Oh, but we pray, Lord, rise up, a Moses. Rise up, instrument to rise up. Rise up those who can be the church in Palestine. As I had an opportunity to talk with a church leader who talked about persecution even within his country. Because of their culture, because of their stance, we come against the isms that would make one feel better than the other because of their nationality. But Father, I pray this morning that there will be a people rising up that will show love, show some care, show some concern, show the olive branch to somebody that, that may not look like them speak like them, come from their own nationality. Father, I pray for war to cease, that there will be some understanding. And Father, I pray that the evil that has been unleashed through what we call terrorist and terrorism, that Father, you will rise For God is not a plight against a nation, but literally it is evil that has been infused within one, within a group, to come against the Omago Day of God. You even prophesied, you used your prophets to speak and to speak to nations to say, woe unto those, woe, who pray, who attack widows, children, the poor, the orphans. So Father, we stand with you. This terrorist attack that has happened within Palestine towards Israel. Lord, let us focus on the act of terror, not the people of the land. So Father, bring healing, bring safety, bring security, 
bring God's salvation, bring liberation, bring freedom to those that have been captive. To now those who humanity, humanitarian aid has been stopped and folks don't know what to do. Lord, be their refuge, be their strength, be their high tower. And Father, I pray for our nation, I pray for our world that we don't allow politics to get into the reality that people are hurting, dying, mourning. And so Father, I pray for nations, I pray for peace, I pray for you to rise, for you to cease the principality, the ruler, the wickedness in high places. I know you can do it, Father. Father, use the church not to compelling issues, not to try to use this as a weapon to feel justified in their theologies, hermeneutics, Father, remind the church that our call is to show love, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring liberation in a crisis situation. So, Father, thank you. I pray for my brother, my sister in Palestine. I pray for my brother, my sister in Israel. I pray for my brothers, my sisters all around the world that they will rise up and use this opportunity to share their love, to share their faith, to share peace, to share liberation, to bring hope where there seems to be a hopeless situation. And Father, some may not even say, well, that has nothing to do with me. But Father, I pray that you will rise up believers around the world. That we can pray and have a compassion and have a love and have a concern. But also to empathize. To put ourselves in their place. Because Father, woe, if it be me, if it be others. So, Father, whatever we can do in prayer, in our talents, in our giving, in our being able to show love, let us do it. And, Father, maybe somebody may not be in that area of the world, but experiencing oppression, experiencing isms, experiencing things within their own personal experience. And Father, I pray this morning for healing, for restoration, for peace, for liberation, for hope, for transformation, and for change. For Father, you are the God that liberates, that sets captives free. So we stand this morning in agreement and we trust that you are able to do what only you can do to the God. Psalms, Numbers, Hallelujah. 
as we close in prayer together let's remember this blessing this prayer that the Lord had given to Aaron given to Moses to remind the people to remind them and so our prayer for our world on this morning is let's do this together church all around the world let's join in and agree for this prayer of blessings to be upon our world on this morning we find it in numbers 6 24 through 26 may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine on you israel on you palestine on our world and be gracious to you may the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace shabbat shalom hashemai haaretz may the lord bless you may the lord keep us may the lord's face shine upon us and lord give us your grace within our world within our homes within our minds that is our prayer if you agree with me come on throw up your heart throw up your life put up your comments this morning but we need the church to be in agreement. Thank you, thank you, Susan. Thank you, Antoine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We stand in agreement. Is there anybody else that'll stand in agreement and say yes and amen? For let not the church be one to create more of division, more of problems, but let the church be one that will bring forth hope in a time where there's disagreement and confusion thank you kiki for standing in agreement for we need we need israel we need palestine we need those in ukraine we need those to survive come on clap your hands let's thank the lord for he is the god has everything under control. Whoo! Let's give God a praise.
What do you do when you can't cry any longer? What do you do when the tears will not fall? For Matthew 2, 13 through 18. says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. The angel said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you for Herod, a system a way of thinking, a way of doing, a culture, something that's just part fabric in society is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt on the run fearful hopeless but only living off of a word not knowing what the future may hold but believing and trusting what has been said no idea what tomorrow might hold but knowing the fear that has been rumored, what has been said will happen. But Joseph got up and took his family and stayed until the death of a sister. So was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. However, while Herod system, the way of thinking, the social policies of the day. came furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and old under in accordance in accordance something that was put in law something that was the norm something that was part of society for it was fulfilling what the prophet Jeremiah stated from when a woman by the name of Rachel, who was barren, who saw others being blessed, but she could not bear children, was 
deeply loved by her husband who was favored and her husband gave her the world gave her everything but she in turn could not bring forth and it affected her though she was considered but people made her feel less than disqualified her marginalized and judged her because there were other women who could bear but she could not bring forth a child loved by but despised loved by one but was looked down upon by others highly esteemed by one but was taught low by others in the company of fruitfulness but she was bearing And the prophet Jeremiah saw the state of a nation, saw how others were being blessed and how others were favored, but this nation was like Rachel. And the word of the Lord reminded him of Rachel. Where when it seemed hopeless, murders, discrimination, oppression, violence, a hopeless situation, crisis everywhere. It reminded the prophet Jeremiah as he is known as the weeping prophet, he wept to see a church he wept to see that it was barren he wept to see that it was powerless he wept seeing that they had lost their way he wept seeing that they turned from god they wept he wept seeing that they were being led into captivity He wept because their potential, their life, their way was exiled. A nation full of potential, full of promise, full of purpose, dismal disjointed, disillusioned, dismayed. And the word
word of the Lord in Jeremiah said, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping. For it's just like Rachel weeping for her children. And she refused to be comforted for her children. Because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a ward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope. For your future declares the Lord and your children shall come back too. I want to encourage the church in the midst of a church crisis. The church in the Middle East, as we call it. It's not a religion. It's not different sects but the church those who are known as the people of God the church universal the church that is in waiting the church that is hopeful the church that is about occupying until the Lord comes. That's who I'm speaking to today. And so I want to bring some sense of encouragement. Excuse me. To you. Because if we do not. Be careful. We can listen to so much of the voices. We can read into something that isn't there. Make assumptions. Make proclamations. For our words are so important in this time. Because words frame thoughts thoughts creates ideas ideas creates a way of thinking a way of doing a way of being behaviors and that then informs us of how we are to act or react in church I just want to say to us because we can sometimes make the scriptures say something that the scriptures do not. And so I want to first of all encourage us to stop using scriptures out of context, but keep them in its context. And that's why I went all the way back to give you the context of what was going on with Rachel. She was barren. She was sorrowful. She had 
she was she was one that felt marginalized belittled her steam was low and out of this she used her words to kind of speak of her own sorrow literally when she was able to have a child i mean birth was coming but in that she birthed two sons joseph and benjamin now benjamin is not what she named him the father ended up changing the name because when she named him she was on her deathbed and she named him benoni me literally mean my sorrow and so out of this the context the word of the lord comes to jeremiah and reminds jeremiah of what happened with Rachel and he saw through that lens what was going on to a nation who had forgotten God to a nation who was barren and he spoke these words and said Rachel refuses to be comforted so we find it in Genesis narrative we find it in Jeremiah we then stumble upon it in Matthew. Some have even suggested, well, why would the, the writer, why would Matthew, why, why is this important in this context? Well, we see within that time frame, there was a nation that was literally trying to destroy, kill, come against, and so the same context, the same type of situation that then Matthew can reference the, the context. See, you got to keep it in context. To show the people is similar. In that time, there was barrenness. In that time, the empire was ruling. In that time, there was hopelessness. In that time, there was despair. In that time, empire was ruling, controlling, killing children. There was a mindset. There was a belief. There was a system that was oppressing and coming against. So, in context, can see that there was a nation hurting in pain tears broken in despair hopeless and just like Rachel they could or felt like there was no comfort literally refuse to be comforted in the midst of a messiah in the midst of hope in the midst of when it was dismal when it was its darkest time in the midst of it this prophetic reminder is put into matthew chapter 2 speak of hope to speak of don't look at 
what you see and believe all of the negativity and, and the bleakness. But God has everything under control. And so I want to, I want to challenge the church. I want to challenge those who are using the Bible in theology to have the Bible say something that it does not say. For many of us is using this situation and bringing Matthew chapter 24 into it, talking about, and if you don't know what it is, then read it, but I'm not gonna go into it. But Matthew 24 speaks of a time when a day, let us not read into that text as if that is now. Because if you're really understanding the scripture, then you cannot overlook the 36th verse of Matthew 24, where Jesus said, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Woe unto the church that will use scriptures to try to make it as if that is this day. If anything, let me encourage the church that the Lord has given us some insight, some insight into what it will somewhat be of the day. But to try to make it this day is wrong. For that is not our job as believers. That is not our job as Christians to try to make the Bible say something that it does not say. To try to say, this is it. Wars and rumors of wars. How many wars and rumors of wars have happened since the Bible has been written? How many famines? Huh? How many nations rising up? How many? So for us to use to say this because we see this happening. No, church, we have missed the mark if we're using the Bible to be a fortune teller of what we think is going on. If anything, the Lord has given that to us so that even as he has said over and over and over, be reminded, keep your lamps trimmed, keep it burning to a reminder, work while it's day because no man can work when the night comes. As a reminder that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. What Jesus is showing us over and over and over and over is that we are to be called to do the work of the Father, to do the work of bringing justice to where there's injustice, to bring sight to where there's blind, to set the captives free, to bring liberation and healing, salvation, not to use the Bible to talk about the end times. How can you talk about it being the end times when he says not even himself knows the day nor the We can be so off focused, so delusional, so trying to read into stuff 
that we fail to do the very thing that he's called to do to go and make disciples who is going to a people that's broken to a people that's hurting what church will be the one to take in the orphans to take in the to take in the widows to take in those who unbeknownst of their own doing finding themselves in war let me say this there's pain there's hurt there's brokenness there's sorrow there's death on both sides no one wins in war and could i even say to the palestinian people who was just trying to live day by day i feel your pain i feel your hurt but could i also say to that one in israel who has lost a loved one i feel your pain i feel your hurt and for those who brought terror a group of people not a whole nation a group of people who decided let's not church choose sides but let's do what Jesus had did go to those who've been marginalized go to those who empire decided not to show love to it's crazy because what we find with Rachel she refused to be comforted pain anger disappointment fear lived the reality of barrenness dealt with the blows that were coming from people and in her pain in her death thank you lisa she bore two sons in her pain in her agony in her barrenness she became blessed check this out because in the midst of suffering in the midst of pain in the midst of being disliked in the midst of being talked about in the midst of being the one that is thought of as the evil one came joseph and came as she on her deathbed in suffering in sorrow said benanah benanomi but the father changed the name and i want to say to a people who have been marginalized a people who have been broken a people who have been talked about a people that's been discriminated against the people that have living under some other narrative somebody else has given the narrative about your culture your life have called you Ben Anoma. God is changing your name. And what we find here is that do some biblical history, get into your Bible. Her two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph became, 
because his sons Ephraim and Manasseh had so many descendants that came and they stood for all of Israel. Ten nations came out of them. And we find them, what they've done practically within the Psalms and the prophets. Joseph delivering a whole nation out of famine. Benjamin, on the other hand, came to stand for the two southern tribes of Israel, Judah. If y'all don't know, do some history. It's ironic that Rachel, the wife who had the fewest children, became known as the mother of 12 tribes of Israel. Out of her pain brought purpose. Out of the pain brought blessing. Out of her sorrow came a blessing. What am I saying? That if we the church believe that God can use this crisis and bring purpose, bring deliverance, bring liberation, then amen. We as a church have to refuse, not be comforted by terrorism, not be comforted by what popular media would say. Not be comforted by just saying, oh, the Bible's being lived out. That's callous. Matter of fact, that's just lack of compassion. That we could say this is the Bible's coming to fruition and it's unfolding and, and Jesus is coming, but we forget about the people who are hurting, who are being murdered, who are being ostracized, who are hungry, who are now homeless, who are now destitute. That's what our concern should be. Not that biblical prophecy is coming true. If that is it at all. For what I see is babies being murdered. What I see is families being disrupted. What I see is isms judgments being made to a people that's just trying to live church we must refuse to be comforted until we see justice peace love liberation salvation happen not only to this nation but to our world Bishop Reverend William Barber, my bishop states it this way and I'll close as my time is closing, but I pray church that we take a stand on what is right, not on what's popular opinion or not what's from our own judgments. The well, William, Reverend William Barber said it this way. He said, I am weeping with my Jewish brothers and sisters both in Israel and around the world. And I agree. As they mourn the horrific acts of terror in Israel this past weekend, the stories of civilians murdered and families kidnapped are gut-wrenching. He said, in grief we are wrapped in darkness. 
and there are no words to express the weight we feel. Yet in the public square, words abound that both compound the grief of many. And so I must arise from silence of mourning to speak, he says. He said it this way and I so agree with him. He said two wrongs cannot make a right. Yes, the perpetrators of violence should face justice, just as some in Israel might be held accountable for its policies of violent apartheid against the Palestinian people. Remember, many Israelis have and do oppose these policies, including some who were attacked this weekend. But there is no moral justification for killing kidnapping and torturing innocent civilians, women, children, and tourists. For on this point, there can be no moral equivalency, for we must say it loud and clear and unified that there is nothing that justifies this act of violence and terror. Some say in a moment like this, he said, you cannot condemn the violence without also mentioning the violence that's precipitated it. Yes. However, we will not agree to that position. On one side of my own family, he said, I come from a formerly enslaved people who chose never to issue violence against the women and children of those who happen to be white or even against those who held people in bondage for they chose to fight in the American Civil War soldier versus soldier and they believed in the right of self-defense my people not weak nor did they even dismiss the ugliness of the injustices that they endured Whew. my God but even when enslaved people or persons claiming to care about the conditions of the enslaved used violence against innocent people claiming it was for the cause of liberation they said unequivocally no we will not return evil for evil in other words just because we feel right to do something Still, there's a humanity factor in it. So for those who have committed this heinous acts, does not dismiss the history of oppression of Palestinian people when they've been beaten, harmed by the actions of some, not all, in Israel nor does it dismiss a moral critique of others who have enacted harmful policies. But in moments like this, we must be clear that terrorism is not a protest against injustice, but rather it is an act of despair that creates more suffering for everyone. So, 
we must stand against the terrorism that is affecting the Imago Day of God. Now, church, let me say it this way, and I found it fitting. As I read it, I was challenged to rethink because so many times we could talk about the enemies and, and be told how to think. But as the church, we must grapple with, we must contend with what the Bible says, love your enemies. And so we cannot hate what culture says to hate and love what culture says to love but we must stand in the middle and see humanity have all fallen short of the glory of God and that we're all in need of salvation thank you TJ Judy Peterson says it this way and I close Every Israeli is once in eternity, irreplaceable, unrepeatable act of God in every Palestine is once in eternity, irreplaceable, unrepentable act of God. She said, I am simply not interested in hearing about a God who values some people's children more than other people's children. I'm not interested in modeling my life after a God who values some people's brothers more than other people's brothers. I will not worship a God who values some people's sisters more than other people's sisters. I will not bow down to a God who values some people's mothers and fathers more than other people's mothers and fathers. She said, and I certainly will not defend a God who sees the annihilation of some as necessary for the flourishing of others. Reminds me of my own African-American history. And if I come to find out that my God desires for me to participate in the destruction of his humanity, I will renounce my faith and hold on to what I see as humanly right. What a statement she stated. That's risky. Makes folks feel shaky. But she said, for I have chosen to believe that Jesus was the full revelation of God. That Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who forgave his enemies rather than enact vengeance upon them who laid down his life for the love of the world and who never harmed a single soul. This is the revelation of God that I will continue 
to worship. And it is this God with whom I will continue work towards a world that sees each and every one as the once in eternity, irreplaceable, unrepeatable act of God that they are. There is no life insignificant, no life that's disposable. Every life lost is a tragic loss of divine revelation. Therefore, I pray for Israel instead. I stand and pray for the Palestinian people. I pray and stand for our world who's in desperately need of God's salvation. I need you to survive. And so, church, what should be our stance? Let us not get into fortune telling of this being a Matthew 24 moment. There will be a day, but that's not on us to decide or to even use for such a time as this. But let me encourage the church that in the midst of this crisis, that we do what the scripture says, occupy, work, do the work, rather than kicking back, feeling comfortable and justified by saying what the Bible says and using it as our own context or pretext to our own context. In other words, letting it say what you wanted to say. But I encourage the church, now is the time, opportune time to occupy. How do we do that? So glad you asked. We do it in compassion, how we think about it. We do it in love. For love should have us to feel empathy, to want to act in justice. So how do we, or how should we, or what should be our approach to this matter? Have compassion, show love, and walk in justice to anything that would be injustice. And maybe, just maybe, the tears will stop and Rachel might possibly be comforting. Because I want to remind the Rachels that are out there that they're that out of Rachel brought liberation. Rachel brought freedom. Rachel brought hope. Woo. Rachel brought salvation. Out of her brought Joseph free people. Out of her brought Benjamin 
where from sorrow it turned into fl flourishing, flourishing. Out of a crisis situation, the prophet spoke to Jerusalem, to a nation, to a church, and said, God has a future in Jeremiah. Woo! That God knows the plans. While they was in exile, while they was in oppression, while they was dealing with oppressive government, oppressive things due to their own disobedience and idolatry. It did not stop God's purpose. It did not stop God's plan. It did not stop God having a future. And as we even use Jeremiah 29 often out of context where we say God has a plan for me. God wants to prosper me. Shut up. That ain't about you. It's about what God does when a people is in exile. When a people have chosen to disobey. When a people have went astray. When a people, it does not stop God's plan of hope, of blessing, of salvation. And so God still has a plan to prosper, to give us hope, to give us a future, even when we've blown it. And so we come. To Matthew, where there was hopelessness and despair, where there was loss of life, and the prophet is being reminded where it drops into Matthew 2 in a reminder that there is hope when it seems like a hopeless situation. And the next time we find, whew, did you hear me? The next time we find this prophetic word being spoken is in Revelation chapter 4 or somewhere around there. Where it reminds the people that there is hope when it's a hopeless situation. Revelation speaks of a time where in the end. We win. And I want to encourage somebody, whether you're in Israel, whether you're in Palestine, whether you're around the world, whether you're in your own home, that when evil seems to prevail, when evil seems to win, when it seems like everything is coming at you and the kitchen sink, when evil seems to speak loudest, you're on a winning side. You're on a side where tears will be turned into tears of joy, tears of restoration, tears of hope, tears of jubilation, tears of blessings, tears of fulfillment. And so, Israel, Palestine, our nation, our church, we've got work to do. It's time to occupy. And show love, show peace, do the work of justice, do the work of love, do the work of showing peace until he comes again. We say tears. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.